Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We've been doing a series that I've subtitled Living Separate to the World. Beginning in verse 15, the Apostle John writes, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. We can't hear that enough. (laughs) Amen? You know, we really need to take this to heart. He says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That's what we want. Amen. We want to do the will of God. We want our works to abide forever. We want everything that we do to mean something. Not just now, but in eternity. Amen? <clears throat> and that's something that we are, we've been looking at. The, the temporary nature of everything that you see. And in fact, that's what we're going to be looking at today. We were finishing off the section of the lust of the flesh, or more correctly, the desire of the flesh. We looked at some scriptures last time. And I want to go back to Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 and 17. Where the Apostle Paul said there, I say then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember again, we're talking about the lust of the flesh, and here's an answer to that. Amen? He says, if you walk in the Spirit, then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. Remember again, there's a war going on. Amen? And I talked about this last time. He says, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now we... I'm not going to go through Romans chapter 7 and look at all of that, but remember, the Apostle Paul was having a real issue there, (laughs) okay? He was saying, I do things that I don't want to do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do, and you know, it sounds like us some days, not every day, thank God, but some days, all right? And and we do have have a struggle, and, and it is a bit of a struggle sometimes. Can I get a little amen on that one, amen? I mean, we are more than conquerors. We are to overcome every situation in our life, but it doesn't always come easy. Can I say it that way? All right. But we don't ever give up. Amen. All right. (laughs) Now, I was uh, at the point where I was going to read out a quote from I. Howard Marshall, so let me do that now. It says, to give us even more insight into the lust of the flesh, it is the whole nature of sinful man, which is comprehended in this phrase, and not merely his body, uh, bodily sensual desires. And every desire of man in his rebellion against God is what is meant. So, notice it says here again that it is the whole nature of sinful man. The whole nature of sinful man. Do you understand, you know, sinful man has a, has a certain nature. Even though he may do good, there is a nature in there that needs to be changed. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? And that's one of the things that we sometimes, I think, don't understand. That there is a, a, a sinful nature that, in fact, even in its doing good, does it almost in opposition to God. The difference between good and God, good wants to bring glory to itself. Look what I did. Look how much money I gave. Look at all the people I organized so that we could get money to, to, to look after these people over there. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And it's all about self-glory. 
Whereas as Christians, what we're meant to be doing is saying, God, what would you have me do? And when we bless people, we bless them in the name of the Lord. And whatever we do, you know, when they say thank you, we receive that thanks, but we say glory, all glory to God, so to speak. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? So that, that's one of the things that, you know, that's a desire of the flesh. You know, even our flesh desires to do good and be recognized for it. Amen? Alright? And so what we need to understand is that regardless of whether we are being recognized down here or not, if we are being recognized by God, that's all that matters. And that's all that should really matter to us. If we get to that place where all we are wanting is God's approval then everything that we do will have eternal consequences. Everything that we do, because it's as unto the Lord, it will be recorded as unto the Lord. And won't be held against us. Do you know that's what's one of the things that's going to surprise most people? The good that they do is going to be held against them because they did it to, to glorify themselves. Remember Jesus said, you know, to the, the Pharisees and all those religious people that were always giving and fasting and everything to be seen of men? Do you remember that? See, they were doing good things, but they weren't doing it as unto God. They were doing it as unto man. They were doing it to be seen, to be patted on the back and said, Wow, how many days have you been fasting again? And, and you know, can't you see? I look so worn and so, you know, like I've been starving for months. And you might have only been on the fast for a day. You know, but they used to do stuff to make it look like they've been doing it for months. Why? They wanted people to pat them on the back and say, Wow, what an amazing religious person. Amen? And, and people do that even today. Sometimes just in the clothing that they wear. So getting back to this, notice he says here, <coughs> he says that it is the whole nature of sin, sinful man which is comprehended in this phrase. And not merely his body, sensual desire. So he's saying don't get caught up in just one area of this. It's the whole nature of that sinful man. Amen? That we're talking about here. And he says, every, And every desire of man in his rebellion against God is what is meant. Not in, not in serving God, in rebellion to God. Amen? So remember I told you again that you can desire good things. Let me just jump back there for just a second, okay? Because I don't want to leave this in a bad note. All right? We can desire things. You know, you can... I, I know people that, you know, if they don't pray, they just feel really guilty. And they, in, in a funny way, their flesh rebels against not praying. Whereas most people's flesh rebel when they pray. Okay? okay? There are some people, you know, you just get used to that. You get used to doing things. And, and that, that is a blessing that was meant to help you, not hinder you. And I think the problem is that we don't do things long enough in order for us to get to that place. Amen? And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not perfect either. I, I have those days. Everybody does. Don't look at me and think, oh, you're like that? Yes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay? And we all want to get to that place where even our body, you know, even our natural man is longing after God. Because there is a presence that falls that just affects all of your senses. Can I say that? Amen? Alright, <clears throat> and besides walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust or desire of the flesh, the Apostle Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, as we bring this to a conclusion, he says, do, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So, besides 
meditating on Galatians 5:16 which says I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh in uh, 1 Corinthians 6:19 we also need to meditate on the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit amen and notice he also goes on to say you are not your own verse 20 you were bought with at a price I'm in 1 Corinthians 6.20 now. He says, therefore, honor God with your body. So we begin to understand something, that there are things that we need to do, that God wants us to do. We are to understand that we were bought with a price. It, you know, we, all, we often say salvation is free, but it wasn't free for the guy that bought it. <laughs> okay? It's free for us, but it cost Jesus Christ his life. And it was, a, it, it was a horrible way to pay the price too, can I say. And not just on the cross, but even after that. A lot of people think it ended on the cross, but he had to pay the price for man on every level. Absolutely. Amen. And so not only did he pay for him on, on a physical level, but also in the spiritual realm as well. On a spiritual level. And that's the reason why, you know, it, it says, just as, you know, uh, Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, in the very center of hell itself. And there was a price to pay. You know Satan was gonna, not going to let him get away with it. Somewhere he had to pay that price. Somebody had to go and do that for us. Amen. And so, that's what the Apostle Paul means. He says, listen, that price was paid for you. Every time you're having a problem, you know, every time you're thinking, oh, should I or shouldn't I? He's saying, remember the price that was paid. Remember how much Jesus Christ went through to buy you this freedom. And that will help you to say no to things that you really know you should say no to. Amen. Now, we are not perfect and thank God for 1 John 1, 9 in this same epistle. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Which we already looked at. So as you pray, confess, and meditate upon these verses of Scripture, you will in fact overcome the lust of the flesh and begin to live a holy life before God. Notice the things that you need to do again. You need to pray, you need to confess, and meditate. Pray, confess, meditate. Not in that order necessarily, but do all those three things. <laughs> okay? Alright? A lot of times you, begin with, you may begin with a confession that leads to a prayer while you're meditating. See, the meditation begins in your heart and in your mind. You look at a verse of scripture. Let me just take a quick minute here. Uh, and you know, you look at a verse of scripture. Uh, let me just take one from here, for example. It, when, say Galatians 5.16. He says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's just take that. You begin to, you, you begin to meditate upon that. You say, okay, I'm going to, you, know, you look at it and say, okay, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Which means everything that you do needs to be led by the spirit. Do you understand? To walk in the Spirit, you need to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Alright, which means that then you're not letting your body lead you. You're not letting your schedule lead you. Are you, are you getting this? Okay, this is how it works, okay? So you begin to meditate upon that and you think, Oh, walking in the Spirit. I need to, if I'm led by God, then guess what? I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because God will never lead me into temptation. Because He is not tempted by evil, neither will He tempt anyone with evil. Remember that verse? Okay. So, okay. This is what begins to happen. And you begin to understand. Hey, if I'm being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit is leading me. Then I'll always be led to the things that will bless me. Things that will keep me away from evil. Which automatically means that I won't ever get tempted. In fact. 
Hallelujah. And the problem is, whenever I get out of that, I start walking my own way, that's where I get led into all kinds of traps and all kinds of problems. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. Maybe I should be spending more time in prayer. See, all that comes from that little verse. Didn't think there was a lot in there. There it is. Okay? That's what, <laughs> I'm just giving you an idea of how you meditate on something and then how you begin to confess things, how you begin to pray over things. Amen? Because then you begin to pray and say, God, please don't ever let me be led by me. Because I'm a bad leader. <laughs> okay? Well, much rather you lead than, you know, me. Amen? And in fact, every leader in Christ should be led by, by the Lord and just send down His instructions to the people that are working for the Lord as well. They don't work for you, they work for Him. That's why if you say something that's you, they'll all get a eh in the spirit, just a little knot. You know, they'll go, no, no, no about that. I think it's Him. Amen. Uh, tempted to go on to something else. Anyway, let's. <laughs> next is the phrase, correctly translated, the lust of the eyes. And I want to move on to that today. Simon J. Kissamaka writes, the eyes are the channels to man's soul. Are we good to move on to this today? Okay, yeah. Oh, thank God we moved on. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to race through this because I really believe that if we get a hold of this and if we get a revelation on this, we will begin to... Remember, the Apostle John said, all that is in the world. We are really dealing with the very heart of the things that cause mankind to trip and fall. To cause mankind to sin. To cause mankind to be separate from God. These are the... the, 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 the the foundational things that that's built from. These are the things that the devil works through to get you off track. So if you can identify these things and found, find countermeasures to them, okay, <laughs> whenever you start get letting in those, being led in those directions, you just bring out the countermeasure and fight it and just go off in another direction. Hallelujah. It won't, the devil will never be able to drag you into something or, or mislead you. And we're going to talk about that today. Mislead you into something that you shouldn't be doing or seeing or whatever it is. Amen? Hallelujah. You become very difficult for him to, to, to lead astray. Um, Simon J. Kissamaka writes this. He says, the eyes are the channels to man's soul. When man is enticed by lust, his eyes serve as instruments that cause him to transgress and sin. John reflects the sentiments of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, who categorized lustful looking as sin. Let me read all that again. The eyes are the channels to man's soul. See, a lot of times, we, whatever we look at, is what, remember um, uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, in fact, you know what, let's just go there. I, want, I don't want to quote it, because I, I just I want to read this, and I want you guys to see this. Uh, wrong way. There we go. Proverbs chapter 4, and let me just read in verses 20 onwards. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Do you see that? You need to keep them in front of your eyes. Because whatever you look at, that's what you begin to move towards. And it is, and our eyes are the window to our soul. It, it really affects our soul. Whatever we look at, see, that's the reason why this is the next, you know, this is uh, not the second most important thing. It is a second thing that is important. 
<laughs> okay? All right? Because all three of these things are really powerful and really important. Especially and when we get to the pride of life, you know that's not down the third on the list. You know that most of people have the greatest problems because of that particular thing. All right? But let's, let's talk about this for a moment. He says here again that the eyes are the channels to man's soul. Whatever we look at is what we take in. Are you all here? So much of the time, you know, I think they say 70% of what we take in is what we see. More than even what we hear, it's what we see. Amen? That's the reason why, you know, sometimes it's good to close your eyes when you're listening to something. Because it shuts everything around you off. Are you all here? There have been times when I, you know, when I listen to, to God's word and I close my eyes because... I just want to shut everything out here because that also allows my imagination to fire up as well. And I begin to see things on the inside. It seems like the times that I do that, I get more out of the Word of God than when I've got my eyes open and I'm being distracted by things around me. Just saying. Alright? So, we, we need to understand how powerful your eyes are. That they just take in so much. In fact, a lot of times, you know, even when people are talking, do you know we basically read lips? We don't realize it. We don't just listen. We're actually reading their lips in listening. So even, you know, even in what people say to us, we, we take it in based on both our hearing and our eyes. So our eyes has a part to play in that as well. So you know, we, we need to understand how, how important this is, how powerful this is. And he goes on to say this, when man is enticed by lust, his eyes serve as instruments that cause him to transgress and sin. You know, you can't be tempted by something that you don't see. Hello. Whatever it is, temptation usually comes through what you see. Even the lust of the flesh is usually the result of something you've seen, something you desire. Are you all with me? So this is a very powerful thing now that we're talking about. Okay? Let's continue. John reflects the sentiment of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount who categorized lustful looking as sin. Now, we see an example of this in 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'm going to read in verse 2. It says, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. Now we know what's going to happen here, right? And from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman, woman was very beautiful to behold. And now we know that this was lustful looking because not long after, David committed adultery. You all remember the story? Okay, with Bathsheba. And to cover his tracks, he murdered her husband, Uriah the Hittite, and all because of the lust of the eyes. See how one thing led to another and caused all of these problems at the end. And we just really need to be careful what we look at because it, it can lead us to places we really shouldn't go. And cause grief in our life. Because whenever we do something that is opposed to God, then we are cutting off the blessing of God from coming into our life. Do you understand? That's what all this is about. This isn't about telling you to stay away from something. It's telling you to move towards something. What to stay away from in order to move towards something, in order to get to the blessing. How do we get to the blessing? Well, if I tell you don't go down these roads, you're on your way. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes in what you don't do, and that's how the first psalm begins. The first verse in the first psalm is don't do all of these things. Blessed is a man that, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or you know, stands in the way of sinners or sits with the scorn. He just says, don't do that stuff and you're blessed. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> 
And that's why Jesus issues such a stern warning in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And let me read verses 27 through 29. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that he was sort of saying, listen, you guys are sort of putting a lot of emphasis on the, the, the physical aspect of things. Which a lot of churches do today as well, by the way. Okay, But watch this, watch what he says. He says, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her. As Jesus was saying, listen man, this is where it begins. He said, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in, in, uh, with her in his heart. Verse 29, and this is, he says, if your right, no, don't date this literally for the moment, I'll explain it, okay? He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Can I say it another way? All right. He says, do whatever it takes to stop sinning in this way. Whatever it takes, okay? You know, you don't have to pluck your eyes, I just don't go there. Amen. We, that's a better option than pulling your eyeball out, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. But he, watch what he says. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now you can see where he's coming from. He's saying, don't let one part of your body cause the whole of your body to suffer. Amen? Whatever part of that body is, just make sure that you're not letting one destroy everything. I. Howard Marshall writes, The eyes are often the source of desire. And the thought here is of greed and desire for things aroused by seeing them. We see an example of this in Joshua chapter 7. When the Israelites, under Joshua's command, lose a critical battle against their enemies. And as Joshua goes before the Lord in prayer, seeking answers to why they lost, the Lord reveals to Joshua that there is sin in the camp. And as Joshua calls out one of the offenders, we'll read in verses 20 through 23, it says in Joshua 7, 20, beginning there, And Achan answered Joshua and said, I, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And this is what I have done. Verse 21, when I saw, notice where it began, when I saw, lust of the eyes, okay, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And, they are, uh, and there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. Verse 23, and they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And so of course having dealt with this and all the other sins in the camp, the next time that they went to battle, and now this is very, very significant, they utterly destroyed the enemy. With Joshua chapter 8 and the latter half of verse 22 saying, So the men of Ai were caught in a trap and all of them died. Not a single person survived or escaped. Let me just talk to you about that for a minute. A lot of times the battles that we fight in the spirit. A lot of times the battles that we're fighting in the natural. You know, the reason sometimes that... Not, it's not every single time, okay? <laughs> Alright? But the reason sometimes that we're having trouble with it is because, can I just say it this way, there is sin in our camp somewhere. There's something in our life that we haven't taken care of. And Joshua had found, out, found that out the hard way. 
You know, he was going out to battle and he's saying, God, every time we normally go out to battle, we win. Why? Because God was with them. But because somebody in the camp had sinned and done something that shouldn't have done, the protection was lifted off of their life. God still loved them, but he couldn't work for them now because there was sin in the camp. Remember I said to you again that God won't come into our darkness, we need to go into his light. Remember how, the, how this epistle started? Amen? That, you know, that we need to go into the light, which means that we need to leave all the darkness behind. Joshua realized that there was a problem there. That somebody had walked off into the darkness and dragged everybody into that with, with, with them. And as soon as they, that was brought to the light, so to speak, hello, okay, all right. As soon as that was taken care of, then when the next time they went in, they, they did what they normally do and win. And that should be the thing with us. We should be always winning. And if we ever lose, it shouldn't be a, well, you win some, you lose some. should never be what we say. Do you hear me? Because Jesus Christ has paid enough of a price for us to win every single battle in our life. So if there is a problem somewhere, we need to find out where that problem is. And one place, one place, not the place. You're hearing this? It's not the place, but one place to look is this area of sin. Check and see if there is something in your life that maybe is not right. Maybe something that you've hidden. <laughs> okay? Something that's not right that you kind of pushed to the side and said, uh, Yeah, Lord, let's not talk about that today. And he's trying to get to that because he's saying, that is causing all of your problems. But we don't want to know that. We want to say, God bless me in spite of that. In other words, we're saying, God, please let us bring some of our darkness into your light. It doesn't work. That light drives everything out. And if you are attached to that thing, then you're going to get driven out. <laughs> okay? Because you're attached. You know, it's like, it's like they throw the anchor off the ship. And if your leg gets caught in that baby, you're going down. I mean, I don't care how well you can swim. That anchor is going to pull you down and take you down to the bottom. Are you all with me? You're going to cut that stuff loose. And so we need, to, we need to understand that there are things in our life. And again, this story shows us something very significant. That there might be things in our life that through our eyes that we've allowed into our heart and into our soul that is causing us to trip and fall all over the place. And we've got to the place where we've become so used to that. We now, you know, we rejoice in a victory because we don't get so many of them because this thing is constantly pulling us back down. We should get to a place where victory is a norm, a normal thing. And we really get mad when something goes wrong. <laughs> okay? Just like Joshua did. Because he thought this is not right. We should be winning. What's wrong? Amen. And you know, can I just say this? You know everybody in the camp said, well, you didn't know nothing wrong. Because that's what all the verses before this are talking about. And he says, no, something is wrong. Which is it? Who, which one of you messed up? <laughs> okay. And finally, you know, after a lot, they came out and said, well, it was us. Didn't end well for them, by the way. All right, But, you know, he realized something. He didn't go to God. He didn't take the word of the people. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. If that's what it comes down to. If everybody is saying something opposite to God, then go with God. Forget about the men. Because they lie through their teeth, man. I tell you, no, people do that stuff. And, and that's one of the things that you need to realize. That people always want to look the hero. 
They'll never want to tell you what they did wrong, even if it's causing everybody else to fail. But Joshua knew enough to know not to take the word of the people. He knew enough to know that, no, God is true. If we're losing, it means somebody in there is lying to us. Amen. You need to know the same way. That if something is going wrong in your life, again, this is only one area, amen? You need to check up on your life. And then ask yourself, am I doing something wrong? Is there something in my life that I haven't dealt with? Now family, if you've dealt with it, remember I told you about Jesus and Jonah in the storm? Once you've dealt with it, you become Jesus in the storm. Do you understand? If we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means that you become righteous, which then means that whatever storm that you're in now, you can say, peace, be still, and shut the thing down. Amen? That's the reason why I always say to people, you know, my gosh, if there's something wrong in your life, can you just admit it? Because then you, 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 put, your, you put yourself in a place of power. It's you. You're the one that gets to choose that. Amen? And as soon as you do that, you're in a place of power. Now you can speak to the storm and it will shut down. And if it isn't shutting down, then you need to go to God and find out where your faith is. As I said, it's one thing. <laughs> I won't go down the whole list because there's a lot of things we can look at. Anyway, where was I? Alright, getting back to this. <clears throat> It is vital that we keep our eyes on God and His promises and not be led astray by the lies and deception of the enemy. Because it is all temporary and one day will be gone forever. And why even the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, Why we look not at the things which are seen. Amen. He says, but we do look at something. We look at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen, all the lusts of the eyes, all the things that draw us away. He says, for the things which are seen are temporal. Doesn't that sound like John when he said, and the world is passing away. Don't get attached to the thing, it is temporal. And watch what he goes on to say, he says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? Listen as I finish with this statement. Don't let the temporary lust of the eyes keep you from the eternal blessings of God. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word.